Hello, and welcome to BrainShare, all things sales podcast. I'm Katie Moulton, a new SDR looking to learn some tips and tricks from other salespeople. Welcome, Hope Samansky, to the show. How you doing, Hope? Good. How's it going, Katie? It is going well. Why don't you give us a little intro about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so um, like Katie mentioned, my name is Hope Szymanski. I work at a little startup called Digifox right now. Uh, we're basically an all-in-one finance platform. You can trade and sell crypto, um, earn interest on savings, and send money to friends and family. Um, I'm head of operations there, also head of client success, and some HR as well. So I do a lot of things. I do customer support um, in some you know, customer support documentation, community engagement, webinars, Uh, some marketing copywriting as well. So I do quite a bit there. I've been there for about six months and things are going super well there. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of where I am now. Originally, I was in Praxis uh, like a couple of years ago. I don't know if your listeners know much about Praxis, um, but I know Katie is also in Praxis, but uh, I did that and landed a job in San Francisco for about eight months and then moved back here, worked in a sales job for about 14 months. And now I work at Digifox. So there you go. <laughs> it's awesome. Quite a story. Lots of different hats and things involved. It's very fun. I like it. I'm glad. All right. Today we're going to talk about quality versus quantity in sales. Mm-hmm. So I guess to start that off, what, what does it mean to you to have quality versus quantity? Yeah. So this is a big debate, I think, in a lot of salespeople. Um, because I own the first two jobs I had were like very strictly sales and specifically uh, phone sales or email outreach outbound sales um, and then demos, but mostly emails and phone calls. And a lot of people will either kind of land on one end of the spectrum where they say like quality is everything. You have to do your research. You have to like know your customers super, super well. They create these user personas and they they go in with like a super crafted pitch for every single customer because everyone's different and very unique. Um, and I think like those have higher success rates, but they also take a lot of time. And a lot of people, to be honest, don't have time to craft like a 30 minute like pitch for every single person um, that they talk to. Uh, and then the other end of the spectrum is like just, you know, quantity get as many phone calls out there as possible, just do the same generic pitch for every, every single one, uh, same, you know, like it's blast out like, you know, 500 emails every single day. And, you know, you eventually, like if you widen your funnel, you're gonna get more demos. And yes, that's true, but you're also gonna, I feel like waste a lot of good quality leads if by not being targeted and specific. So that is kind of like what that means. And people are, people always like debate whether or not like, well, you should do, should you do more quantity? Should you do more quality? And I kind of land somewhere in the middle where you should be, you know, personable and, and know things about a person and be very uh, targeted and have all that quality research done. But you should also be able to get through a lot of people very quickly. So it's kind of like somewhere in the middle where you don't, necessarily get through as many as some people like you get through maybe but you get through more by being semi-targeted but not like hyper-targeted if that makes sense yeah there's definitely like a a balance between them where you know something about the person you don't have to know everything about them yeah um 
I think even just knowing like one specific piece of information about the prospect that you're looking at can really help you target your pitch mm-hmm. to them. So it doesn't have to be like a long amount of research per person, but I do think it's very beneficial to have that quality yeah. aspect, even though you're doing quantity. Yeah. And I know that you're actively like doing sales right now. Like, is that something that you've thought about like during your, during your outbound sales? I actually don't know if you do outbound or inbound sales. I've never asked. <laughs> <laughs> right now I do mostly inbound, but um, okay. I, I do have a sprinkle of outbound in there too. Um, I think it's very interesting because in the experience I do have with outbound, if you can find something about that person that like you can mention either in your subject line or like that first little bit of your email yeah, is it's going to be very much beneficial and show in the results that you get with them. Yeah, for sure. Um, the job that I was at before Digifox, uh, I was did a lot of outbound sales. Like it was pretty much all that. Like we got an inbound lead maybe like once or twice a month. Um, and the rest of it was all outbound, like very much cold calling and sending emails to people. And we had tools that helped us like gather emails from people so that we could send people different targeted emails. There was a lot of like A-B testing with emails that went on in the office and people would share their tips and and tricks for like, hey, this email worked really well. This subject line has a really high open rate and whatever. So like that was something that we leveraged as a team was to share all those tricks with each other, um, especially because we had different markets. And so it wasn't like if I shared knowledge, it wasn't like so-and-so, the next person over wasn't going to be able to steal my prospects. Um, So just being able to test those, uh, something that we used to do would be saying like, hey, we work with people in these industries, especially since like the people we're emailing were in those industries and we would target different emails, like mass emails, but we would target them specifically like if it was, um, I don't know, like people in in the computer industry, we would say like, hey, we... um, we really work with like IT people and we work with these people. We work like, we work with people that are like you basically. Um, And this is what we do. So it was more like, we know your industry. And also like you have to, you do have to know your customer. It is good to know like the persona of the person you're trying to reach out to. Um, And sometimes like writing, you people are like, oh, you got to write grammatically correct and this, I'm like, well, not always in, in sales. No, <laughs> um, in sales, if, if it's like one of the top emails in my last company that I was at, um, it was like that worked really well to get demos booked was very informal, like, hi, wanted to see if like, and it wasn't like, hey, I was wondering if you would, it was just like, wanted to, wanted to reach out and see if something, because we work with these people in these industries um, anyway, just wanted to see, like, cause we're going to be in the area at this time on this day and was wondering, we know that you're in the same area. Do you, can we stop by? We're going to, we're going to be at your competitors across the street. Like, you know, like that, that also really helps too, like referencing. So like doing that kind of enough research, um, and like targeting people with their certain zip codes and be like, Hey, we're going to be nearby these people. Like if we had already had a demo booked we could say, hey, we're going to meet with these people and we know you're nearby and we're going to be in the area anyway. So can we swing by while we're in the area? That worked really, really well, even on the phones too. If I said, hey, we're going to be across the street on this street when they knew the street because they worked at that street. So I'd be like, hey, we're going to be on Elm Street. And they're like, oh, we work on Elm Street. I'm like, I know. 
um, and also we're going to be at, at these people's place. And they're like, we know them. They're our competitors. I'm like, I know. So this is what we do. We're going to talk to them about it. And can we swing by either before and after that? Because we're going to be in the area anyway, might as well. And usually people be like, oh, yeah, sure. Stop in. So that was super helpful in targeting. But we didn't, I didn't like go. And I also researched your entire life history. And I, I know that you have a dog. And like, how's your dog? And like, that's not something that I ever did. Some people try to do that. And that just takes way too long to do that for every single person that you're talking to. Um, but like, you know, being targeted enough to be like, this is the street we're going to be on, but not super creepy targeted where it's like, I now know your middle name, you know, like that's creepy. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's about knowing what information you need to know. I feel like too. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing like, who to talk to is also super important. Yeah. That is like what person at the company that you need to be in contact with that'd be the decision maker for what product you're trying to yeah product or service I've talked to so many people who are not decision makers who are just like oh my gosh I love you so much can I just talk to you forever and I'm just like you're wasting my time (laughs) is your decision maker available no I'm like great (laughs) so can we probably shouldn't talk anymore Uh, and then there were other people like gatekeepers um which is basically like usually receptionists uh, that would talk to me and be like, oh, John would never be interested in what you're talking about. And I'm like, okay, well, can I talk to John? They're like, no, because he would never be interested. And I'm like, okay. So then I would hang up with her and then I would find John's email on uh, Zoom info, which is a tool that we can use to find people's emails. Um, and then I would email John like a decent targeted pitch, like, hey, John, like, this is what we do. I'm going to be in, we're going to be in the area on Friday around the afternoon. Um, I was just wondering if we could swing in while we're in the area. And then I can't tell you how many times that I like had a receptionist shut me down. And then I emailed the decision maker and they're like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing ever. Yes. Come see me. So I don't, don't, you, you can't take no for an answer unless it's the decision maker saying no. Um, if it's a gatekeeper or somebody that doesn't make the decision and they say no that's not relevant I hate to be rude but you can't believe them because they've been wrong I I can't tell you how many times they've been wrong yeah I think that's a good thing to like discern before you start reaching out to companies too is like to make sure that you at least have the ballpark of the right decision maker and you're not like like shotgunning your your yeah. approach like try to find yeah. one one person that you think would be the decision maker and reach out to like I think it's worth being that specific mm-hmm. oh yeah for sure um sometimes like if I didn't know who to talk to and I would get like if you answer the phone and you were like the front desk person like hey Katie um this my name's Hope how are you like maybe not say that but like like hey this is Hope I'm with this company um, I was just wondering if you could like help me figure out who to talk to because I was just trying because that, that's their job is to try to figure out who to send you to. So it's like, um, I don't know like who handles this is basically what my company does. Who handles that? And then they would go, oh, that's John. I'm like, well, can I talk to John? And then usually they would say, no. I'm like, okay. But at least next time when I call, I can say, hey, is John available? And then they, they're like, oh, she knows John. She knows that his she knows who he is. She must be supposed to be talking to this person. And then they would let me through the second time because they couldn't, they wouldn't remember me from the first time. Um, so the first time sometimes is just getting who the person is that you're supposed to talk to. 
And then the second time you call, you can go, hi, um, I was looking for John. Is like, is John available? Um, and I never did say like, I don't like to say things like, can I talk to John? Because if they say, I, I, I like to ask questions where I like both answers. Um, <laughs> so like I say, is John available? Yes, cool, can I talk to him? No, cool, when is he gonna be available? Like, in, because, but if I ask like, hey, can I talk to John? And they say, no, well, I don't like that answer. So I choose to answer the other question um, where I like the answer better. <laughs> Yeah, you want to ask a question that'll get you an answer that you um, know isn't opinion-based. Like, yes. Like, is he busy? Maybe. Like, you don't want to, like, have a guess as to whether or not the person you're talking to is just um, not being fully truthful. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So kind of, like, jumping back what do you think it means to have good balance with quality versus quantity in in sales like where would your sweet spot be um i don't know i think it's the numbers are different uh depending on the uh the industry and like the industry like people that certain people that you're reaching out to um the industry i was in we made like 30-ish calls a day and we would send like i tried to send like um I don't know, 30, 30 or 40 emails or 50 emails every day um, or maybe every other day. But it depends because my, my personal philosophy is like you should do as much activity as you need to to make your quota and maybe slightly above it. Um, and if like, I, and because I've I had managers who were like, I would like, do double my quota. I would get double the amount of sales I was supposed to get. And they would say, oh, but you didn't hit your activity goal. You didn't make enough phone calls. And I'm like, yeah, but I hit my sales goals. And they're like, yeah, but you didn't make 30 phone calls. And I was like, so what? (laughs) So like, I never understood that. Like, I feel like it should be very flexible and it should be do whatever you need to do to get to your numbers and probably a little bit above that because you should probably shoot for above so you can you can hit it um, on a regular basis but I'm, I'm very much of the, if I was ever a sales manager I'm very much of the opinion of like okay if you're not hitting your numbers you should, you need to hit these activity goals but if you're hitting your numbers I don't care what activity you do like just get get your quota done um, and don't worry about your numbers. But if you're struggling and you're not hitting your quota, I'd be like, okay, maybe we need to set some activity goals for you. Like how many phone calls are you actually making Two? Okay, maybe you should make more phone calls. Um, if you're gonna wanna make your goal. Uh, so that's that's something that was always always bothered me at this other company that I worked for because they, they were very, very hard on activity. And I was like, I don't see the point in that because I can be targeted and hit my goal. Um, with the with the, uh, the quality of the calls that I'm making and finding quality prospects, uh, but they really wanted me to hit this activity goal, and I was like, "Well, um, that." It, but it it often sometimes like would make my output lower if I had increased the number of calls I made because I was being less targeted and being more rushed and. I would talk to people and it was a great conversation. I was having this great discovery call and I was like, all right, got to wrap this up because I got to make 10 more calls today. Even though like the priority should really be on like that really great phone call. So it can be a great demo. 
Um, so, but they, they were, they were rewarding the wrong behaviors, I think. And I tried to kind of like explain that before I left, but, um, yeah, that's kind of my, my philosophy on quality versus quantity is to like, just do what you need to do to hit your numbers and don't worry about counting activity. Cause that's really stressful. It's super, super stressful to be like, oh my gosh, it's three o'clock in the afternoon and I've only made 10 calls. I need to make 20 more calls in two hours. And that's really, really stressful. Um, especially when you've already done good work that day and you booked maybe like four or five demos. So. Yeah, I definitely can agree with that. Like uh, you definitely like, I know for sure, like when I'm working, it's like if I'm on a roll with something and like talking to people and I have a lot of people like replying to my emails, like, yeah it's sometimes hard to like break your you like you don't want to break your focus on doing that if what you're doing is working just to focus on something that um yeah might not get you the same the same result yeah it's people think that they can multitask but I'm pretty sure like I'm, I think I heard somewhere that's like kind of impossible actually to multitask um and if you think you're doing it you're just breaking your focus and you can do so much more when you focus on one thing and do it really well and then move on to another thing and if you have to jump from thing like you know object a to object b to object a back to object b it's going to be so much harder than if you just focused all of your time on a and then you switched over to b um it'd be less it's less efficient to jump back and forth yeah i totally agree with that and there's this statistic i remember reading on average, once you break your focus on something, it takes you 23 minutes to get it back. Oh, yeah, I can relate. <laughs> so, like, I think that just really sets the tone. It's like multitasking honestly isn't worth it. Like, you're the quality of work that you can do if you just focus on one thing will much surpass the need to do two things at once. If you will get them done quicker if you just do them one at a time. Yeah. And some, sometimes that's hard though, because in the middle of doing this one thing, I'm like, oh, but I have to do all these other things. And then I like, don't want to forget to do them. So sometimes what I'll do is I'll just write them down on a piece of paper. And then after I'm done with this thing, I'm like, okay, these are all these other things I remembered I needed to do. Um, but yeah, it is, it's an, I feel like quality versus quantity is like this is it's always going to be like an ongoing debate between salespeople like everywhere if you probably search for it on LinkedIn and people probably have all their opinions about like what to do and what to not do and how to make things work and how to not make things work um but that's I I always feel like what's the point of you know harping on salespeople when their job is already really hard like talking to people all day is hard and especially when you're outbound calling and people get mad at you because you called them, how did you get my phone number? And I'm like, it's on the website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had people like, they're literally like the branch manager and like their, their phone number and email, like direct line are on the, you know, World Wide web. And I call them and they're like, how dare you call this number? How did you get this number? I'm like, you put it on the internet, sir. <laughs> <laughs> But like their job's already hard. So telling them like, oh yeah, you, you, you scheduled four demos today. That's, you know, pretty outstanding since no one else did that today, but you only made 20 calls. So, you know, not very happy with you. And it's like, come on, just 
if it's working, don't question it. I, I, I don't think that's worth it. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So I kind of want to jump back to a point that, that we touched on a little bit earlier, which is like the, the elevate, like the pitches that you were talking about, like yeah, the specific things that, and like, yeah, the specific things that you say to people are like pitches that you craft. How do you like go about doing that? Crafting a pitch? Um, yeah. Yeah, there's crafting a pitch and then there's getting past people who are not people that need to hear your pitch. So I say only pitch decision makers. Don't pitch gatekeepers um, because they will immediately judge it and then go, oh, John doesn't need that. John will never be interested in that in a million years. Um, but if you tell it to John, John would think it's the greatest thing ever. So um, like know your product and know like, know, like no one believe in your product. And then like, right, I would say, figure out like what are like the main things that make you different than other people? Um, Cause that's always something that people are gonna be interested in. Like, why would I choose you over everyone else? So figure out like what makes you unique and then um, I always tried to keep my, my goal in sales was to make friends um, with people. And so whether they booked a demo with me or not, and you should not try to sell to people who do not have a need for your product. Like I used to do that, like bend over backwards, like, oh, don't worry. Like, like we can make it work for you. And they're like, we really have no need for this, like at all. Like, so it's, it's a waste of time for you to talk to people who are not qualified prospects. So the first thing you want to do is like, qualify them um so when you do find out that you have the right person on the line I always would ask them like hey how are you and then I would either get who the heck are you or I would get like oh I'm doing absolutely fantastic how are you so you get a wide variety of people um and a lot of cool stories which is fun uh but then I would I would usually say hey yeah my name is Hope Szymanski and I would use my full name um and I work like I'm from this company, like name of company. And I'm like, and essentially I was wanted to, I wanted to chat with you to see like whether or not we could work together. Uh, and then I would purposely put a lot of ums and uhs in there. Just like, I would, I was confident, but I also wanted to make it sound like I've never said this before, even though I've said it like 50 times a day um, <laughs> or like 30 times a day. Every time I called someone, I like, I've said this pitch so many times but I wanted to pretend like I had never ever said it before because otherwise people can be like, oh, this is just a canned pitch that you've said thousands of times and it's super boring. So I always tried to like make it be like, hey, um, yeah, my name is Hope Smansky. I work for this company. And uh, essentially I just wanted to chat with you and see whether or not we might be able to work together. Um, no worries if not. Uh, but basically what we do is this, this, and this. And then I would ask them a question like, do you ever... Like, how are you currently doing this? Because the product that I was selling was like a service. Um, so I would then ask them like, okay, so how are you? So this is basically what we do. How, what do you guys currently do for this process? Like, what do you guys do for that? Like, how do you do it? And then they would either say, oh, well, we would, we don't need, like, they would like answer me usually like, oh, well, we do this. And then from there, I could get into objection handling. Um, but the pitch was, Typically like, hey, how are you? Great, cool. My name is Hope Szymanski. I work at this company. 
like, hey, this is Opsmanski from X company. And uh, essentially I wanted to figure out whether or not we might be able to work together. This is, is basically what we do. What do you guys do for that? And I asked like this open-ended question of like, cause I, I'm trying to get information from them to see like if they're a fit, say, hey, like, what do you guys do for this? And they say, we don't even do that. I'm like, great. So we probably shouldn't work together. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay, cool. So you ha- do you not like ever do this or like this isn't a priority or like whatever. And then I would make sure I qualify them like, okay. And then I was honest. I'm like, okay, yeah, well, it sounds like um, we wouldn't really be able to help you guys out. And I'm, you know, thanks for chatting with me. I really appreciate your time. Um, have a great day, okay? And they're like, okay, sounds good. Um, I mean, not all, that's the ideal. A lot of sometimes people interrupt you, um, but being confident in your pitch, uh, but also making it sound like you're talking to a person and not just reading off of a script, that's super, super, super helpful, if that makes sense. I know I kind of talked like forever, but. <laughs> yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Um, I know for like during praxis when you're like learning how to craft pitches to companies it's sort of kind of the same process and it definitely translates where the biggest thing that I needed to learn was that like I could have a script in front of me but also not read off make not like I could have a script in front of me but also make it sound like I wasn't reading it like yep that's very important like you want a general basis of where you're going but also like you want to sound like you're talking to a person, like you said, like, yeah, especially in sales, because there is another person on the other side of the phone. Exactly. Like you're not just recording it and sending it to them. You're talking to a human and they want to know that you're a human too. And -hmm. like, that's the biggest way to make a connection is like figure out how to make yourself human and not seem as much like a sales salesperson, more like someone they want to talk to. Yeah um one thing I used to do too to like be more personal is like I said I would I I was originally this was before COVID we would book in-person demos and so I would book a demo and then I would say okay where are some places that are nearby that we could probably visit and then I would call those people and I would say hey Brian um this is Hope from this company how are you like he's like oh hi how are you and I'm like great um actually was calling because we my sales partner is going to be in your area on Friday in the afternoon and around two and he's going to be visiting this this place and he probably if Brian is a competitor to them he'll know who they are like hey we're visiting this other place and um wanted to see if we could stop by um you guys like we're basically visiting them and this is why we're visiting them and then I would say like this is what we do we're visiting them to show them this and to see if we can help them with this thing. Um, wondering if we could stop by uh, your place either before, right before or after that um, and show you the same thing. And some, a lot of times they would say, oh yeah, sure. Like what time were you thinking? And then I would book it um, because I, I think a lot of people are like, oh, you got to qualify them first and you got to, you got to go in and you got to have like a, you know, 30 minute conversation with them about their problems and their issues. And I'm like, people don't want to do that. People don't want to talk to a salesperson for 30 minutes about their problems and their issues. They, unless they are the ones calling you like inbound, if it's outbound, they're just like, um, especially in the industry I was in, the people want to be on and off the phone really, really fast because they have things to do. So 
I would always, I like the, I'm like, okay, the goal of this phone call is to book a meeting. And after the meeting was booked, they're like, hey, just wanted to see if we could stop by. Like, I didn't even like ask them any qualifying information usually. And then they, after they booked the meeting with me, I would then get, okay, cool. Well, just so that to help the meeting run a little bit smoother, um, can I, I'm gonna ask you like a couple questions. Like, how are you doing this right now? Like, um, how often do you do this thing? Like whatever to like get an estimate for a deal size and whatever. Um, and then after the qualifying information was all done, like, all right, cool. Like what's your email? I'll send you a calendar invite and whatever. Um, like that's, that's what I would do for that. But then, so I can maybe one out of 20 times I would call them. They'd be like, oh yeah, sure. You can stop by. And I'm like, cool. What do you do for this process? And they're like, we never do that process because we have no need for it. And I was like, oh, great. So we probably shouldn't stop by. <laughs> so only like one out of 20 times did that ever happen because people are like, what if you book unqualified meetings? And I'm like, that didn't really happen that often. It was, it was usually pretty like easy, but like, I always like was upfront and honest with people. I'm like, the purpose of my phone call is to schedule a meeting with you. And then if they said, oh yeah, sure. Then I was like, okay, I need to ask you a couple quick questions. And if they had time, great. If not, then I would email them and say, hey, can you answer these questions before the meeting? Uh, but but people, people don't wanna talk to you about like their problems and their issues. That's why they're booking a meeting so that they can talk to you about this thing that you're selling them and they can talk to you about their problems and their issues. So yes, is it great to have those things for your salesperson? Yes. I loved the phone calls where I was like, they were like 10 minutes long and John and I were best friends by the end of it. And we had talked for, you know, 10 minutes about all of his issues and problems and like how we could help. And he was super excited. And I had like 10 pages of notes of things that were going to help my partner when he went in and did the sales meeting. That was awesome. Did that happen every time? No, <laughs> probably like once out of like every you know, 20 meetings I booked, did that happen? Um, but when they did happen, they were pretty great. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't think I have anything else on that. I think you pretty much covered everything that I was going to say. <laughs> I talk a lot. <laughs> I like it though. It's so informational. I just like it, it. Like I haven't been in sales for a while. Um, so I'm in, I do a lot of customer support now, which is kind of like sales, but different. Um, it's very, very different. It's, it's more of like a, how do I fix problems fast kind of thing? Um, and sales is more of a like outbound and this is more inbounds, but it's, it's fun to like, remember back to like, and it's only been six months, but like to remember when I used to call people all the time and like, oh, like, oh yeah, I remember like this was important and that was important. And I actually like talked about things that I totally forgot existed until just now. Um, yeah, so that's this has been super fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. So a couple final questions before we wrap things up. All right. What what would your uh, like recommendations be for resources, either for salespeople or just like in general business? In general business, I am a big advocate for reading books and reading them with a pen in your hand and underlining them and dog earing the pages. Like don't do that if it's a library book, but like buy your own books um, and read them. Uh, How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in Selling is a really, really good book. Um, How to Have Confidence and Power with Dealing People, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, lot, there's a lot of sales books. There's one called Never Split the Difference uh, about negotiating. That one's a really, really cool book too, because it's 
written by a former FBI agent and he uh, goes through different stories of negotiations that they've done with hostages, which is kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, and I don't like know a ton of podcasts for sales, uh, but I do know a lot of like those types of books are really, really good. Like anything that's working with people is really, really, really like good to have always coming in. And I think reading is is probably the number one thing you can do. Um, and then talking to other salespeople, communicate with your team members. If you have other team members who do the same job as you, uh, exchange tips and tricks with each other, talk about what's working and what's not working. Because ultimately, like in your field, like I, I was in a sales job a couple of years ago, and then I would switch to another industry. And it was, it's different. Like the pitch is different. And the, some of the strategies are a little bit different for how to get people on the phone and how to actually like sell them. So talk to your team members and constantly like go back and forth with what's working and what's not. Yeah, I think communication with your team is really important. And there's a lot to be learned from the people who have been at your company longer than you. Oh, yeah, for sure. And my last question is, what would your advice be for a new salesperson? For a new salesperson? Um, getting on the, like, it depends on, get, I think I'm going to talk about getting on the phone because that's like anyone can send an email. Um, but getting people on the phone and talking to them is intimidating. It's hard. I remember my first sales calls and your heart beats really, really fast. And you have to work up a lot of adrenaline to like actually pick up the phone and talk to this person. Um, and I, even when like you've been doing it for a year and you, you get on, you have to like, okay, here we go. I'm going to call this person. Um, and so that's, it's really hard. So my advice is to, to talk to people a lot, do take a public speaking course, talk to friends and family, like pitch your family and friends. Like I worked in San Francisco for a while. I went home and like, I had a pitch for what I did. And so when I went home, like for Christmas, a lot of people asked me like, what did you, what do you do again? Like, what do you do for work? And so I would have to like tell them my pitch and explain to them how things work. Talk to people like friends and family, strangers, like anybody who asks you what you do, pitch them your company and then tell them what it does. Like, like, oh yeah, this is my company. This is what we do. Um, it's, it's really important for this, this, and this, and, um, yeah, super interesting. And so then people will probably ask you questions about it, expound on that. Don't, don't just, don't give them the short answer. Like make sure that you are talking through different objections, like basically pitch, pitch as often as you possibly can. And if possible, uh, use your own product. Like if you're, if you're able to, usually you can get access to it for free. If you work at the company, use your own product and use it all the time figure out how it works and what, you know, what's your favorite part about it? What, you know, what, what features are most interesting to you uh, and know your product really, really well and know the industry, know like the different vocab words that people use. Like I sold to professors of universities at one point in my career. And like, I had to learn how to sell a product to, you know, finance professors who knew all about finance and I knew like hardly anything about finance. So I had to learn a lot about finance really fast. So that's something that you can do. And then just when it comes down to it, just treat people like they're people and really, really honestly, truly care about people because people can tell when you're fake. And if you don't actually care and you don't actually like, you know, and then people can tell when you're just trying to sell something. So if you go into it with the attitude of, 
I have this really, really awesome, cool thing. And I want to see whether or not I can help you with this really awesome, cool thing. And if I can't, then great. But if I can, that's super awesome. So that, that, that's a lot of advice, but basically pitch as often as possible, treat people like people and uh, know your product and use it a lot if you can. I think that's really awesome advice. I definitely think that I should hone in on my pitching skills for Christmas. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a really fun thing to do. Yeah, it is really fun. Awesome. All right. Well, Hope, it was really awesome chatting with you today. I had a blast and we will see you next time. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Katie.